Nitzachim Perakei Mishnaches 5.8. We're continuing to discuss the process of what happened on the 14th of Nisan as part of the offering of the Korban Pesach. And the Mishnah continues on by saying, Kamaseo Bechol, Kach Maseo B'Shabbos. Everything we described up to now in terms of the three groups and the sort of, you know, the production line and so on, of all that happened the same on the 14th of Nisan, whether we're talking about a regular weekday or on Shabbos. The reason for that is because the Pasuk says, The Jews will make their offer the Korban Pesach on, in its proper time, in its Moed, in its appointed time. And there's the Gezer Shava to the Korban HaTamid, which says, Tishmru lahakriv lo b'mo'ado. You should be careful to make sure it's offered in its appointed time. And the same way that the Korban Tamid um, is doche, it, uh, it uh, supersedes the obligations for otherwise applicable to Shabbos. So we understand so too for the Korban Pesach, that even if it comes out on the Shabbos, their dates should be brought, meaning the 14th of Nisan, again, that supersedes the halachas of Shabbos. So, as we said already numerous times, this is we're treating this as like a Korban Sibra with special, special halachas. Now, the truth is that we will discuss in the next parak that certain things that they would do on a weekday, they wouldn't do on a Shabbos. More on that in the next parak. But for now, the point is that everything that they did so far, as described in the Mishnah up to now, was done the same, whether it was a weekday or Shabbos. However, even though everything was done the exact same way, the Chacham had a certain objection to one of the things. That is, the way they cleaned the floors on the 14th. Meaning, the Chachamim went and did the exact same thing in terms of the floor cleaning procedure, whether it was a Shabbos or otherwise, but the Chacham would have preferred that they did not, that they, they did not want them to actually clean the floors in the same way. The backstory here is this. Cleaning floors on Shabbos um, is restricted midirabanan. I'm leaving out the halacha lamais lamais of today's floors, but in general, the idea is that I'll even get to that in a minute, frankly. That in the time of Chazal, most floors were made out of just dirt, smooth dirt. And as we learn back in Masechah Shabbos, if one would have, let's say, a, a divot, a hole, a crevice, a, a rut in the floor of his home, and he would smooth that out, that would be considered to be bona midoraisa. If you recall, when it comes to bona construction, there is no shear, there's no minimum amount. If you make even just a little hole filled in, if that's permanent to a structure that's attached to the ground, that's bona. So here, if you had a divot in the floor of your home and you filled it in, smoothing that hole in the ground would be bona midoraisa. So therefore, Chazal said no sweeping floors in Shabbos in general. The reason why is because people might come to smooth out a hole because holes were common to appear and it was sort of a thing that could happen very easily. And therefore, Mishava Gumos filling in holes and smoothing them out is a concern that props up the Isser of cleaning the floors lest you come through that Midurabanan shows up many times throughout Shas. Here in the base of Mikdash, the floor is um, tiled. It's like a it's a marble floor, and therefore there shouldn't be the issue of Shivi Gumos of smoothing out holes because there are not holes supposed to be appearing or easily smoothed out by cleaning tiled, you know, marble floors. However, there still will be an Isser Durabanan in the base of Mikdash, um, either because there Isser the Rabban of sweeping the floors applies across the board, even to tiled floors. We certainly don't conduct those that way. Or alternatively, there were some segments that perhaps were not tiled, and there was there was a place where 
there could be some ground smoothed um, where it was untiled. Um, whatever the case, that would make it usur midirabanan to clean the floors, you know, sweep the floors, etc. in the base mikdash on Shabbos. Now, there is a general rule, which is ein shfus b'mikdash. When you're talking about isuri durabanan to protect the integrity of Shabbos, those things don't apply in the base of Mikdash. And while that's true, and everyone agrees that principle of Ein Shavos Mikdash, there's a machlokus, and that machlokus is being reflected in this segment of the Mishnah, of if that rule of Ein Shavos Mikdash, the leniency allowing you to do the Isuri Durabanan Shabbos in the base of Mikdash, applies across the board, or whether it only applies to things that are essential to what must be done in the base of Mikdash on Shabbos. If you understand it, a rule's that rule applies across the board, and there's no Ein Mikdash in general. There'd be no issue of sweeping the floors and cleaning them on Shabbos in general. And that being the case, as the Chacham and Mishnah did, they cleaned the floors. As far as the Chacham reference in our Mishnah go, anyways, they understood that Ein Mikdash only applies where it's something that would otherwise, where it's a re- relevant to an act, which is, essential to what must happen in the base of Mikdash on Shabbos. And cleaning the floors is certainly not essential to the proper function of the base of Mikdash, the bringing the Korban Pesach, etc. And therefore, according to these Chacham and this Mishnah, it simply wouldn't apply. Okay, the Rambam Baskins that that one could see the floors, the ancient of Mikdash is a general rule, um, and therefore, like I call it like the like the Kohanim, if you will, of the, of the Mishnah. Now, how do they clean those floors? So, although you don't see the pictures very often, there was part of the infrastructure of the base of Mikdash was there was a irrigation canal, a small um, like running water that went through the Azara. Um, it was like a water flowing, so they could have water to do what they had to do over there. And if they wanted to clean the floors, they would block up the far side of that canal, which would cause the, the canal to flood, filling up the floor of the, of the Mikdash, of the Azara, um, with water. Then kind of like how Israelis do sponja, they would scrub the floors clean um, because it would be sort of, you know, it would be sort of um, deeper in water and you could you could flush out all the blood. Don't forget, we're talking about many, many hundreds or thousands of carbonos, um, each of them, you know, putting a good amount of blood on the floor. So there was a lot of blood to clean up. So that's the story over here. Again, let me read it in the words because it doesn't read quite as neatly as... I described it. It just reads, Their acts, as we described up to now, as they did it on a weekday, would be the same as they did it on a Shabbos. However, The rabbis even cleaned the floors as they would in a weekday, but that was not in um, accordance with the will of the Chacham, who would rather them not clean those floors on Shabbos. Okay, now the Mishnah goes on to a new point. The floor was covered in blood. Now, that blood basically comprised two different types of blood. One called Dam HaNefesh and one called Dam HaTamtsis. I'll explain. When you bring a korban, so the essential moment of the offering of any offering, animal sacrifice, is that its blood make its way to the Mizbech, that the Zrika application of blood on the altar, one way or another. Now, the blood we're talking about that must be offered is called dam hanefesh, life blood. What that means is, when an animal is slaughtered and it's it's shechted, so you, the veins are cut, the arteries are cut, um, and 
and um, as the heart pumps the next time in the animal, so out of the arteries will come blood. Blood will spurt out of the artery. And while the animal is essentially still alive, just having had its neck cut. So that blood is called dama nefesh, life blood, if you will. And the some part of the life of the animal, the nefesh, is in that blood. And that's the blood that has to be caught into the klisharis, the sanctified utensil. We'll call it a bazich, as Armisha called it, the cup on a stick, and brought down to the mizbeach and offered on the altar, or on the side of the altar above the yisod. Now, after a few moments, the heart stops beating. And at that point, there's no more blood spurting out from any arteries. And at that point, the blood that remains dripping out is called dam hatamtsis, which means something like oozing blood, seeping blood. Okay? The animals are, are probably being laid on their side as they're being shechted. So you've got essentially, after the first moments, when you catch the dam hanefesh, the rest of the blood begins to you know ooze out of the now dead animal onto the floor as damatomsis. Damatomsis is not effective as blood that's brought in the That is to say, if you take damatomsis and put it in the mizbech, while not usher to do that per se, it doesn't help you have an effective korban. Fine. So on the floor of the, of the base of mikdash, the overwhelming majority of the blood is going to be damatomsis, useless blood. But there's a concern Rabbi Yehuda has in our Mishnah here that perhaps one of the karbanos whose blood was caught correctly as dama nefesh into a klisharis, into one of those utensils, was accidentally spilt on the floor after having been caught. And therefore, that blood is at least in theory eligible to be applied onto the mezbeach wall. And if it's not applied, so then that particular korban pesach was not offered. It's not a kosher korban pesach. So Rabbi Yehuda understands there is a way still and as a sort of a safeguard, as sort of a, a, a catch-all, what we should do is we should collect the blood, the pool of blood on the floor, into a klisharis. Within that blood that's collected, that, that mixture of blood, there would be at least a few molecules of the original blood that came as dama nefesh, as kosher blood, which was accidentally um, spilled on the floor and never made it to Mizbeach. And that could be brought in the, on the on the wall of the mizbech, and therefore, like at least retroact now, kosherize that offering. That is that that notion that that should work is based on a few assumptions. Um, the first, some of them are contentious, and as far as the shittas and tanaim, the first is that there's the principle of yesh bila that there's such a thing as um, when it comes to belach, when it comes to liquids like blood, that if you took the blood off the floor, you can assume that at least some, at least in a prorated way, some portion of whatever blood you pick up off the floor contains blood that was dropped on the floor. In other words, of course, you could you might think that since there were a thousand carbonos brought, only one of them was from this particular animal. Maybe who says that the blood you're picking up now off the floor contains any of the blood that was from that one particular animal we were concerned with? The answer is, if you understand, if you rule yesh bila balach, we say yes, it is paraded, and if it's liquid, it does commingle, and therefore you've got some of the blood you want. The second thing it's built on is the assumption that there is absolutely no shear to how much blood must go on the mezbeach to, to be successful in kosherizing the animal and the offering. So 
we assume that that's the case here, meaning that there's no minimum amount as long as one drop of blood makes it, that's effective. And therefore, Behuda says, go ahead and pick up all the blood off the floor into a sample of all the blood on the floor into a single klisharis and offer that on the Mizbeach, and that will then kosherize. Now, the rabbis don't agree to that idea. And the reason why is because on this point, unlike the Yesh Bila point, and unlike the Ein Shir point, they rabbis and Rabbi Huda have a disagreement regarding the halachas of bittel, of annulments. Now, the rule is when it comes to a tarovis, a mixture, when you talk about mixtures, and mixtures come in two varieties. One variety is called min bishe'enomino, which means one type of, let's say, forbidden object, whatever it is, that is mixed in with a different type of permitted. I don't get, forget the that's not the point. I'm sorry. I said that badly. One type, one halachic category is mixed in with another halachic category of a different type. Min, one type. Bishenomino, into a different type. So that's the, that's the, the not kosher pig blood dropping into your chicken soup. Okay? Fine. You got chicken soup, you got pig blood, and if we say there's enough chicken soup, and we'll make the pig blood considered to have lost the status. It's mixed up in the chicken soup, and it's gone. There's no more pig blood around. Okay? There's a second kind of mixture called min bimino, which means a type within its own type. So if you have blood and blood from sheep, just some blood has a halachic status of dama nefesh, and some blood has a halachic status of dama tamsis, they really are just blood and blood. The question is, in a min bimino mixture, when you have blood with other blood, can you have bittel? Now, what is bittel? Bittel is the halachic phenomenon, an important one, where if you have a mixture of two different, um, if you have two different items of with different halachic statuses, and they mix together, so the general rule is that if you have that the if you have a mixture of two different things as a mixture. However, that's defined for now. I'm not going to discuss it. So then the status of the mixture is determined by the majority. We consider it like the majority. And the rule is that the minority constituent of the mixture loses its identity in the face of the majority, which is why when we say a bit of pig blood, let's say, drops in the chicken soup, we say the minority pig blood has lost the status. There's no pig blood here anymore. It's all just chicken soup, and it's totally kosher to eat. That's the notion of bittel. So, uh, yeah, losing its status, annulments. Losing the minority, losing its status, and the mixture relative to the majority. So, Rabbi Yehuda and the Chum disagree on whether you can have bittel in a min-bamino mixture. Meaning, if you have blood mixed with more blood, can you say that the, the does the dam, in this case, the minority, which is the dam ha-nefesh, does it lose its identity in the in the context of the greater majority of Dhamma Tamsis, or no? The Chacham say, yes, there is bittel in a min-bamino mixture. So they say, listen, it's mostly Dhamma Tamsis, therefore there is no Dhamma Nefesh here. There's no legal Dhamma Nefesh here. And if you take essentially even all the blood, if you will, off the floor and apply it to the side of the Mizbech, it wouldn't help because none of that blood has a lachic status of Dhamma Tamsis anymore. The same way none of the chicken soup has a lachic status of pig blood if some pig, drub, pig blood dropped in, for argument's sake. Rebuta disagrees. Rebuta holds there's no such thing as bittel if you're talking about a mixture that's a min bamino. 
It's as if, you know, there's a sort of strength in numbers that the, the you can't say, says Rabbi Yehuda, that the Dhamma Nefesh lost identity in the Dhamma Tamsis because the whole mixture is blood. It's like just blood and more blood. So where did the supposed bitl, where did the annulment, where did the disappearance of the blood go? Blood, the blood that the Dham HaNefesh can't get lost. It's being reinforced by more blood. So there's still Dham HaNefesh present. So that machlokas is far-reaching, and there are many mixtures outside the context of blood and blood that are min-bimino mixtures. We had it not long ago, actually, in truth is, when we talked in Mesechus Trumos, if you learn Trumos, we talked about the Trumos Meister falling back in, and we said you need a hundred times against. That would be true for a min-bimino mixture, but a min-bish-eno mixture, mino mixture, you would just need 60 times uh, for Tom, etc. In any case, putting that aside, since Rebbe Yudah holds that min-bimino mixtures can't affect bittel, therefore he says as long as you have, if you would have even one bit of the Dama Nefesh blood mixed in here, you could take a sample from the floor, and because Yeshbila and because ain't Shear, to the minimum amount of blood to be applied, you can apply it to the wall of the Mizbech effectively, and it'll be useful. But the Chacham say, even if you hold Yeshbila, and every cup has, in theory, some of the liquid that spilt from the original Dama Nefesh, and even if you hold that there's no minimum amount, that's all fine. They're with you on that. So the Chum work with Rabbi Yehud on that. Still, since they hold there is bitl in a minbamino mixture, they say there is no more Dham HaNefesh, halachli speaking, present anymore on the floor. It's all gone. It's been annulled, muvutal, in the majority, and therefore there's no Dham HaNefesh left. And therefore, even applying all the blood from the floor on Tzmizbech would do nothing to, effect, to satisfy the requirements if indeed one of the Korban Pesach's blood never made it to the Mizbech. Okay, that's the machlokas here. A lot of words I just said. The Mishnah says very few words. The Mishnah says, um, Rabbi Yudah Omer, Rabbi Yudah said, Kos hayem emale midam hatarobis. They would take one cup, this is a klisharis, meaning a sanctified utensil from the base of Mikdash. They would fill it up with blood of the mixture of blood on the floor. Zerako zrika achas agab mezbeach. And they would do one blood application onto the wall of the mezbeach. Again, remember below the red line, the chut sikra above the yesod, on that north or uh, west sides, or even the corners that are around a bit. And nevertheless, the rabbis disagreed. They said, that's not going to help, and therefore we're not going to do it. And there's no such practice of picking up the blood off the floor and applying that mixed of blood on the mezbeach. Halach, of course, being like the chachamim.